Hello, fellow conscious beings. I'm Christian. And I'm Diamond. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of Borderline Uncomfortable, where we like to say that it's okay to know nothing and philosophize about everything. Today is another special episode because we have another guest. We actually have two guests today, uh, my cousin Raquel. Hi, everyone. (laughs) And my friend Michael. Yeah, hey, guys. Today, we're going to be talking about belief, you know, which shape how we see the world, how we think we should be treating each other. Um, So it is important to talk about these things, but also really to dig into why you believe something is moral, something is immoral, why the society should be this way versus this way. What is, what would be your strongest, the strongest belief that you hold on to and why? Um, Well, before I go into what my strongest belief is, I would also like to say this, preface it with this. Um, What I've learned growing up my 34 years of life. (laughs) Black don't crack. I would have never guessed, but go ahead. (laughs) Drink your, stay hydrated. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Our experiences are guarded and led by our, um, or our our, um, perspectives are guarded and led by our, our experiences. So what we experienced in life shapes our perspectives on life or on the life around us and our perspectives then shape how we walk through this life. So whatever you experience can like lead the, lead the, create the pathway in in which you see things and how you respond to things and and the way in which you see and respond to things then can shape how you act and and the behavior patterns that you develop. Um, And in, in, in conjunction with that is your personal beliefs that you're being taught as a child from your upbringing with your parents and with your family and also with the friendships and relationships that you develop along the way. I myself am a Christian. I do hold strongly to the fact that I believe in God and I believe in Jesus and the life that they've had and and things that they've done. I also believe that in my belief with Christianity that there is a there is room for discussion and that there is room for improvement in terms of what we as Christians can do and what we as Christians are told to do and how we view the world around us. Um, I don't believe in following blindly in any one religion. I don't believe in following blindly in any one upbringing or any one um, kind of mental conditioning that you've been brought up in. I believe in challenging. I believe in um, opening your eyes. I believe in um, redirecting perspectives that better suit um, one truth, two humanity, and three, the world in in which you wish to live in, which is why I create the things that I create with my art is to challenge, is to start conversations, and it's to ask the questions that people don't normally want to ask and try to find answers to them. And, and it's okay to know that not every question is going to have an answer um, that you can directly answer in that moment. It's okay to not know, it's, not, it's okay to live in the unknown for a certain period of time, as long as you're searching and seeking for the truth within that question. Um, so those are the, like, the beliefs that I hold dear to um, and, and bring that back around to my belief in Christianity. Um, I think that there is room to question things within Christianity. I think that there is room to um, redirect um, certain belief patterns and certain um, indoctrinations. And I think that there is space in which those conversations could, should, and can be had. 
if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> yeah, it makes perfect sense. I think it's beautiful because it's what Diamond and I are trying to do with this podcast as well, is just put out questions for people to think about. So yeah, it's very, it's very, uh, it's it's intense work to challenge, you know, sort of what you've been taught, how you've grown up, your experiences. But um, even I feel like even if you're confident in your belief, you should always make space to challenge it or to ask those questions, to have discussions with other people who believe the opposite, um, because you don't know everything and there's just so much to learn. So Raquel, do you want to tell us a little bit about your history with religion and God and like kind of lay the foundation, your foundation out to us? Tell us a little bit about you and, you know, your background in that. Sure. So I grew up in a Christian household. Um, I had my both parents. They were serving in the church. They both, you know, raised us in believing in Jesus and the Bible and just our faith in him. And so that's what I grew up in. And, you know, growing up in church, I, I knew of God and I knew of what I was taught. And so, you know, we go to church, we go to Sunday school, we learn the Bible stories. Um, but I do want to say that I did not have that personal connection with the Lord, with God yet. Um, it was just something that I was doing because this is what everyone did. Um, and then I kind of had instilled in my mind, you know, I have to do all these things and be good mm -hmm. so that I can get to heaven, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to mm -hmm. go to hell. Mm -hmm. And so this was kind of just like my mindset growing up. And I was just like, okay, I have to be perfect. And for me, um, when I got to middle school, I actually was introduced to pornography. And as a middle school child, like that has a, a major effect on your mind. And so, you know, I started comparing myself to other people. My low self-esteem was like sky, it was like really low. Like I hated myself. I didn't like how I looked. There were times that I would try and make myself throw up because I'm like, I want to look like these girls. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it wasn't something that I saw in the mirror. Like I didn't like what I saw. I mean, thank God that my hate for vomit <laughs> was more than my hate for myself. <laughs> so that didn't last long. I was like, no. But I'm also just like grateful because that could have led to a whole nother, you know, disorder. And I was just like, okay, thank you, God, for sparing me from that. Um, but yeah, it was just like on the outside, everyone was seeing this good, perfect Christian girl. And I was trying to keep that reputation. Like, okay, everyone thinks of me. I used to have the nickname Saint because everyone's like, oh, Rocky. That's my nickname, Rocky. <laughs> they were like, oh, Rocky, she's a saint. She's perfect. And so I would try and keep that and that was a lot of weight and a lot of pressure of just like okay I have to be perfect so I didn't do the things that I considered like the big sins where I was just like I didn't smoke I didn't curse I didn't drink I didn't have sex I was just like all these things I was trying to do to just be perfect but in behind the scenes I was watching things I shouldn't have been watching like my whole mental health was just like it wasn't it wasn't at its best where it should be. I was waking up having nightmares in the night with these images that I'm seeing as a child and I'm seeing all these things play out in my mind. Um, I was very fearful of men at the time because I was just like, that is scary. Like I never want to ever do anything that has to do with that. And so that's kind of where I was. And then feeling just like God couldn't forgive me. 
I was just like, I did the most horrible thing. God will never forgive me. And it was like a constant battle. Mm -hmm. And so I go into high school and I'm just like, God, like help me to stop. I don't want to be watching these things anymore. And so again, I thank God that he stopped that right away. It wasn't an addiction because I know pornography can become a real addiction. And so he spared me from that as well. And, um, but I still couldn't forgive myself. I just like, was just had so much shame and so much guilt. Nobody ever knew. It was just a secret between me and God. Um, I'm sorry, can I interrupt you? Yeah. Really quick. Did you, you said it was between you and God at this point. Did you have a, like a personal relationship with God or is it still like, it's just, did you have that personal relationship yet? It wasn't as close as, as I would want it to be. Like I knew who God was. I knew that I could pray to him and talk to him. Um, but it was still like almost like a distant thing. Whereas now I'm like, I know that God is within me. Mm-hmm. That's my belief. I believe that because I have the Holy Spirit living within me. I know he's real. He's, he's tangible for me. Mm-hmm. At that time, I thought it was more of like a distant thing. Like I'm praying to you, you forgive me. Um, and I, I couldn't accept the forgiveness for myself. Um, until it was just a one day, I was in my young adult years already. Um, I stopped having nightmares um, and I was grateful for that. And I went to some sort of conference. I think it was like a, a Christian youth conference. And I'm like, I can't remember what any person said or preached or anything. I just remember having an encounter where God, I could hear not an actual voice, um, just within my own, like, I guess my own spirit was just like, I heard God just telling me like who I am. He's just like, you know, you're beautiful and I love you. And um, it was just very freeing. He was like, you're enough. Cause I was always comparing myself to other people. And at that time I went home that day and I looked in the mirror and I had to say those things to myself mm-hmm. because I didn't believe them. You know, I had to look in the mirror and say like, you are loved, you are beautiful, you are accepted. Um, and just all these like things that, you know, I felt like God was speaking over me. And so from that moment on, that's where I really felt like I had my own personal relationship with the Lord. And I really wanted to like seek more of him. And I wanted to grow in in knowing who he was and getting in the Bible and reading about who is this God that loves me so much. And, um, and that there is forgiveness, you know, I don't have to be in shame and guilt. Like he forgives all of my sins. And so that was just so freeing. The most freeing part was knowing that I don't have to be perfect because I was like, I mess up so much. Like, even if it's not actions, even my thoughts, I'm like, I think the most crazy thing sometimes. And I'm like, God, you still care. Like, you still love me after what I just thought. And so it was just like, wow, I don't have to be perfect. Like, he loves me no matter what. And he forgives me. I just have to come knowing that, yeah, I messed up. I'm sorry. I repent. And he's just like, he gives his love and his grace so freely. And it's just beautiful. And that's what I choose to believe. And yeah, I believe in the Bible, the word of God. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I uh, Actually, it was funny you said the thought thing um, about uh, you having these crazy thoughts. Because I remember a lot that I used to, I would get these thoughts and I would I would just say, 
oh god you know i didn't really like mean 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 that like it just came it just happened i don't know <laughs> why like, i'm like god what's wrong with me why am i thinking this <laughs> right <laughs> so how, how did how did you really start discerning between god telling you all those words of affirmation speaking that over you and then you just sort of between that and then or maybe you just saying that to yourself and accepting yourself finally forgiving yourself rather than god yeah. forgiving you yeah i mean i felt like for me it had to be god because i wasn't in the place to say those things about myself like i was i didn't believe those things about myself so why would i tell myself those things you know like i didn't think i would i could be loved and that was also another thing like i never got into relationships because i was like i don't like me so who else is going to like me and so it's just like this peaceful feeling you have when it is God speaking to you. I, I can't describe it. It's just like, it's just a peace. You just get like a, I don't know how to describe it, yeah. <laughs> but I just know it was of the, it was of the Lord um, because it, it's not something that I could do in my own thoughts, in my own mind, in my own feelings. Do, so that's interesting because you're saying how you you didn't believe these things about yourself. So it had to be God because you couldn't you weren't believing these things about yourself. And it, it, there's a question that I posted recently. Um, it's a question that I often like find myself trying to debate within myself. Uh, if we if we choose what we believe, if we can choose to believe in something. What do you think about whether we can choose what we believe or not? To a certain degree, yes, definitely. We can definitely choose what we believe. Um, are those are those choices completely um, completely disconnected from society and and everything as a whole? I don't really know. I can't. I don't. I can't really answer that with a certain yes or no because, of course, everyone wants to believe that they have complete control over what they believe and complete control over how they are, how they act and who they are. But the reality is that there's always going to be something else seeping into those ident identities and guiding those um, pathways in terms of how you react to things, how you um, treat people and how, what you believe in. Um, there's always going to be some level of outside, outside um, influence within those decision-making processes. Um, so it's, it's a yes, but with a shaky little, hymnal there like you know like there you you can choose to a certain degree and that degree can be very big or very small um and that just depends on how hard you hold on to what you've been brought up in and, and the indoctrinations and the things you've been taught as a child um like for instance um as a child i was taught to be a christian i was taught to believe in god i was taught to believe that jesus died on the cross but as I grew up, I had moments of weakness, or not necessarily weakness, but I had moments of doubts in terms of whether those things were real and whether or not I should believe in them. Um, and at the end of the day, I still believe, yes, but that belief system no longer became something that was indoctrinated into my upbringing, but something I, I eventually chose for myself. Um, and yes, those influences from my childhood did seep into that final de decision-making process, but it ultimately became my decision whether or not I wanted to hold to that truth. What's keeping you holding on to that truth? Like what what new knowledge did you find or what experiences did you have outside of being 
sort of instilled with Christianity as a child that kept you believing in God? Um, I like to say that um, before I became out, out related to dance, it, this was like a huge point for me in which I felt like I really, I really felt the um, voice of, or heard the voice of God and felt the hand of God in my life. Um, because before that, I was really struggling with a lot of um, things I've been taught about who God was to the point where I was thinking, yes, I believe in God, but it, but I don't know if God is the person that people say that he is. Because if, if God is who he say he is, then how can he allow so many things to happen that are not clearly not a good thing in life? Um, why, why do people involve themselves in all of these sins if God is who he say he is? And if he is all-knowing and if he has the ability to foreshadow and foresee things before they happen, then why does he not stop them then? Um, so I was struggling a lot with that kind of reality of what, what it is to be um, a Christian following a person who could stop evil, but doesn't, you know, it was, I was struggling a lot with that. So I ended up going to, and this is totally, I feel like it was a God ordained thing because I was, before becoming a dancer, I was studying to be a lawyer. Um, I realized very early on that I could not be a lawyer because while um, in high school, I was in honors government classes and I was doing a, um, I was doing this club called HOSA, which is an honors government club, where you go to the state capitol to, to fight court cases and reappeal court cases that have already been decided and try to pass laws or do mock trials and things like that. And while we were in the chamber discussing um, different laws that we could pass or, you know, do away with, um, I took a step back and I looked across, I panned, the, I panned the room and realized in that moment that these people are not arguing for humanity. They're not arguing for right and wrong. They're arguing for legality. What can they get away with legally as opposed to what is humane and what is moral and what is ethical? No one cared about any of those things. All they cared about was how can we make this legal? And if you ever notice, everything that's legal is not always right and everything that's right is not always legal. Um, and we have plenty of moments in history that can attest to that. Um, so all of those things to say, um, I did not want to become a lawyer. And I was very unhappy in my um, undergrad years as a law undergrad, pre-law uh, major. And I told my mom, this was also during the time of Hurricane Katrina. Um, I was doing, I was dealing with a lot, I'm from the Gulf Coast, so we lost our house, we lost everything. So I was dealing with a lot of emotions in that as well. So I was at a point in my life where I felt depression for the first time. And I started questioning a lot of things and I started seeking answers in a lot of ways. And for some reason, something struck me to go into the arts. And I was like, I cannot be a lawyer. I cannot do this. I'm not happy here. So I started, I, I looked to my mother to like help me figure out what art schools I can go to. We went around the, we went around the state of Mississippi um, looking for different art schools. I got accepted into every single one on the same day I applied. Why? I do not know. Um, ended up going to one in particular, which was Bellhaven University, and it ended up being a private Christian university. I did not want to go to that school. Everything in me wanted to deny that school. My mother pretty much like gave me a stern push into that school. Um, I went to the school, I applied to their theater program, got accepted the same day with a scholarship. Do not ask me why, I do not know. <laughs> um, but I was very unhappy, extremely unhappy, because I did not want to go to a private Christian school. I did not want to be surrounded by Christians who try to tell me how to live my life, who to, and what kind of person to be, while they themselves 
partake in the same sin they tell me not to partake in. So they're being hypocritical. And if anyone knows me, they know this. I do not like a hypocritical person. If you're going to believe in something, believe in it and be that. Do not tell me to do something and then you go behind closed doors and in the cover of darkness and then act in that very same way. If you're going to act that way, at least have the courtesy of saying, we are both sinners. We are both fallible. We both have these issues. We both need to do better instead of you're bad and I'm good, if that makes any sense. Um, so... That was my issue with going to a private Christian school because I, I felt I would be surrounded by a lot of hypocritical Christians. And in turn, that was the truth. Um, the private Christian school, Bellhaven University was for me a horrible experience, all except for the dance department. Um, and how did I get to the dance department? I did a, um, I got accepted the same day I applied with a scholarship and then I had to do an audition for a musical Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, the irony in that <laughs> a musical that talks about, you know, inhumane actions on a group of people based on their racial and ethics, ethical, like, you know, makeup. So uh, I did Fiddler on the Roof, got accepted. I mean, I auditioned for it, got accepted with a speaking role. Again, do not know why. Had no training, had no background. Um, but there was a dancing section in it called the Bottle Dance. Um, fell in love with it the whole atmosphere of musical theater and um, the act of dancing and singing to tell a story and to tell and to emote in ways that you normally wouldn't be able to just by verbiage. Um, and through that process, I became more, more and more interested in dance itself. And I realized that I did not like the, the theater departments and I had made a few dance friends and they were like, well, you should try dancing. I told them, no, I've never done dance in my life. Um, have no experience, have no training, I don't, I don't think I can do that. They inspired me to come in and at least see a show, a performance, and see how I felt after that. And I will never forget that, that, that night. And literally, there was a light bulb moment for me. Like, everything over me, like, just, like, the, the room became silent. I felt like I was the only person in the room. And there was this warm, but at the same time, chilling feeling that, like, came over me. And I knew in that moment that everything that I had been going through had lined up and it clicked for me that that was what I needed to do in my life was to become a dancer. And the very next um, day I started taking dance classes and I started like, you know, getting really involved in the dance department and in about two weeks into becoming a dancer or, or two weeks into um, taking dance classes, apparently the teachers have been talking to me, talking about me to the board of um, the chairhead of the department because after a class, she came up to me from behind and tapped me on the shoulder and was like, who are you? Where are you from? And what are you doing here? And I turned around like, who is this person asking me these questions? They must be important because no random person would just ask you these random weird questions like this. So I told her who I was. I told her my name. I told her where I was from. And I told her that I was here being as a theater major. And she said, no, you're not. And I was like, excuse me? She said, we're changing your major right now. And I said, okay. She told me to follow her to her office. I went to, with her to her office. She got on the phone with the um, dean of the school. And then she got on the phone with the chair head of the theater department. And in five minutes, my major went from theater to dance with my scholarship transferred over. So the very next semester, I became a full-blown dance major. Mind you, I had zero training as a dancer. Zero. I had no knowledge of what dance was. I had never even seen dance before that night that I saw it in, the, in their dance department. So at the age of 21, never knowing anything about dance, I became a full-blown dance major. 
overnight, literally overnight. Um, and while going through that process of dance, I started to understand more about who I was as a person and more about the things that mattered more to me. Um, I cried, like literally shed tears, like hard crying out of nowhere because I started, I started going through a, a metamorphosis, a, a process of healing that I didn't necessarily know that I needed at that time. I just knew that I, was a lot of, that I had a lot of built up anger in me um, based around a lot of things that I grew up um, having to experience in my life. Um, and dance brought that healing. Dance brought that, that transformation, that metamorphosis that I needed. And, and in doing so, he also, it also opened my heart and my mind to accepting God in a different, in a different way. And I learned through that, that I cannot accept, I cannot look at God as a figment of what somebody else deems him to be, but more so what I deem him to be in my life. My personal journey, my personal relationship, my personal connection to God is who I have to see God as, not the relationship and connection that someone else has to him. Because much like life, everyone is gonna experience things differently. And that includes their religious, their religious walk and their religious path. Um, that includes how they um, interact with God. We're not gonna all have the same interactions. We're not gonna have the same experiences. And that's the, that's the danger. And because you asked me once about organized religion, that is the danger in organized religion is to place a stamp on every single person that they have to li live up to this expectation and this level of um, just like, just, just this level of like love and respect and honor of God based on someone else's experiences, based on someone else's pathway, based on someone else's walk, based on someone else's beliefs. You have to develop your own for that to happen. You have to have your own identity with God. And that's what I learned through that process. I have to, I developed my own identity, but I developed my own relationship, my own pathways, my own walk with him. And that opened my eyes up to who God truly was for me. And in doing that, I then disconnected all the negativity I had with God and redirected that negativity to who, who it really belonged to. And that was the people themselves, not God, but the people who mistreated the relationship with God, who misinformed people about who God could be for them and who misdirected so many people into believing that God had to be this one thing and that no one else could ever believe God to be anything different other than that. Um, and that's what, that's what um, to, to this day, that's what keeps my relationship with God going. Because there are times, even now, where I still want to go back to those, that old train of thought of, you're a bad person, and that's not godly. And so then I want to start questioning, well, God, if that's not godly and this person is claiming to be godly, then who are, who are you? And I have to remind myself that is that person's wall, that is that person's belief, that is that person's relationship, that is that person's mentality, but it's not who God is. And that's what helped me. And that's what continues to help mm. me now. There's a lot to take in. You know, to give me a minute to digest that. Um, <laughs> it is a beautiful story, though. I'm glad that you found your, uh, your expression you know, that way through the arts. Um, everybody has a personal work, walk with God, and that includes people of other religions who have their personal walk with the God of their culture. Um, you know, the community they were brought up uh, in. So there are other religions who believe with the same sort of vigor that you believe in your that you the way you believe in your God, they believe in their God, 
um, and they would attribute the same sort of experiences that we maybe might have with our God, our personal God. They will attribute it to their God. So how can we know which which who has it right? Because they're all saying, well, you know, my Bible says or my Holy Scripture says it's true. I've had this experience with my God. Um, and there are some people who say uh, that everyone's right or the subjective truth thing that I don't necessarily believe in myself that, uh, you know, what's tr it's true for you and this is true for me, but it's all true. It's like, I don't, I think it's true for somebody or nobody. It's one, yeah, you know? it has to be one truth. <laughs> right. I believe in one so truth. What, how, how would you, I guess, process that idea that someone else could have the same sort of passion or uh, enthusiasm for their religion and their God and have the same experiences as yours, but with their God, attributing to their God. I mean, I'm still looking into that as well. Um, looking into like apologetics and watching uh, talks on that as well, because I'm still learning also. I know that one of the questions you had asked was, um, when I was reading, look at the Instagram, like one of the questions was about asking about other religions. And I appreciate that because I did want to look into it and see kind of just comparing and contrasting. And it just kind of solidated my belief in, in, in Jesus even more so because when I see Christianity, it's the only religion in my little small little research that I've done. I haven't done a big, a whole big old research, but um, I see that it's the only religion where everyone is trying to do works, right? And that's what my mindset was. I got to do, do, do mm -hmm. to get to God and for him to forgive me and for him to love me. Where everyone's trying to do, do, do to get to God. And like God is coming to us, you know, we're mm -hmm. all trying to climb up, but God is coming to us. And so in Christian faith, that's what I believe is just like Jesus came to pay those, the wages of sin is death, it says in the Bible. And so he came to pay that because we are wicked, we are sinful at, at nature. And so he takes that upon himself. And so we can stand before God as these, you know, pure, holy, righteous, because it's Jesus's righteousness on us. Mm -hmm. It is not my place necessarily to tell somebody that their belief system is evil or unless there's like a strict, like hard line of like, this is evil, like if you're like, believing in like killing humans for sacrifice or things like that. Like, I'm like, okay, wait a minute now, you know, but in reality, I look at, let's say like Buddhism or, you know, Hinduism, um, those, there are structures within those belief systems that really coincide with Christianity and the ideas of Christianity. Those belief systems are also older than Christianity. So then you start to wonder, um, what is Christianity? What is Buddhism? What is Hinduism? How do those things relate? And who is God overall in terms of the belief, in terms of like the, the, the healer, the, the, the end all, the alpha, the omega of, human, of, of the human race? Who is he overall? The truth is none of us really know. None of us really know. All we have are documents, books, um, parables, that tell us who, who God should be and who God is based on these things. We don't really know who God is. All we have are these stories. All we have are the novelties. Are we all, that's, that's all we can really pull from. 
So I'm not going to tell somebody who believes in Hinduism or Buddhism that their God is not the same God I serve. I don't know that to be true. We might, we might be serving the same God and just calling him by a different name. That could be the reality. Or it could be a different God altogether. But I don't know that. All I can say is this. Do you love humanity? Do you love God, be it the, a God that you call by a different name or the God that I serve? And how do those things relate in your life? How do those things connect in your, in your life? How do those things play out in your life? Because at the end of the day, from with my, in, in my journey with God, I believe that I am to love people despite their differences. I am to honor people despite their differences. I am to respect people and value people despite their differences. I am also to call people to believe in God. I am also to call, to call people to follow Jesus. That's what my belief system teaches me. And yes, I, I think that's a good thing, but I am not going to do that through the eyes of judgment. I'm not going to do that through the eyes of condemnation. That's not how I want to do it. You know, if a person looks at my life and see the way that I live and is inspired to follow in my footsteps based on my belief systems, that is their choice to make. I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to give them an ultimatum, you know? So I'm going to, if somebody's Buddhist, if, if somebody's Buddhist or, or if, they, if they follow the Hindu beliefs or whatever beliefs, I'm going to love them regardless. Um, and I'm going to find similarities within our belief systems. And I'm going to say, well, look at this. You believe this, and I believe this, and this is how these things connect. Isn't that beautiful? I'm not going to say, you believe this, I believe this, you're wrong, I'm right, you're bad, I'm good. That doesn't help anybody. That helps no one. Also, the only thing that does is cause greater divide, and then that divide, it causes greater strife, and that's where wars happen. That's where anger builds up, and that's where murders and like all these other things. I mean, come on, Christian crusades, day and night, all day long. That's all it was one religion trying to overpower all the others and in the process did everything outside of what their religion said to do so what did they really what did they really serve in that moment they didn't serve god they served themselves and their own belief systems they, they served their own pride i don't want to i don't want to do it that way do you also believe being a christian do you also believe that the only way to the only way to salvation is through believing in jesus that is a, um, a belief of mine, yes. You know, again, we could be serving the same exact God just under a different name. They also have so. different, like, practices and rituals. And, like, I think in Hinduism, they, there's multiple gods. And then in, in the Christian Bible, or the Judeo-Christian Bible, it tells us that we shouldn't worship other gods before yes, the one does. true God. So... Um, do you ever get, feel conflicted about whether you should be maybe proselytizing or trying to convert someone or just encourage them to believe in Jesus versus the God that they grew up believing in or whatever God they believe in now? That is a conflict of mine because you, there's a thin line between, um, as a believer, there's a thin line between trying to overtake and dismantle someone's belief systems and being prideful and thinking that you're the only person who knows the truth or encouraging somebody to see something in a different way and hoping that the way in which that you see it is actually the way that, that, that it that is proper and that 
um, can bring about healing and love. So there is a, is a huge conflict, which is why I don't dive into the whole conversation of you're wrong, I'm right. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I'd much rather do it in a more um, non-direct way in terms of getting to know that person, getting to understand who that person is, getting to see that person's life um, and how they, how they live their life and how, how they interact with other human beings. And if the conversation of religion comes up in, in our interactions, we can share that, we can share our religions with each other. But I would never, for me, I, I, don't, think I, I don't think I could ever become the person who's like, you're going to hell. You know, I, because first of all, in, in condemning somebody else, you are then taking the place of God as if you have the power to condemn them. So therefore, that's a sin in Christianity as well. So all those Christians who are running around telling everyone you're going to hell, guess what? They just sinned. But wouldn't that just be, I'm sorry, but wouldn't that just be like to them, them working through God if they are so, okay. I was trying to take mental notes. I really should have written it down because you were hitting so many things that were so relatable to me. Right. I agree with most of what you said. Right. But to answer the, to question what you just said, um, we have the Bible talking about Christianity, right? We have the Bible. We have what the Bible says, right and wrong. So if you have a Christian that's telling you or telling whomever, right? Um, this is what the Bible says. Therefore you're wrong to them. They are only doing the work of God, which to them is right. Right. So it's like, I appreciate what you do because that's what, that's how I would navigate through this, but that's not what's the most common. That's not what's the most practiced, right? And not all Christians think that way in, in the way that you do. So to tell you a little bit about me, I didn't grow up in the church. My grandmother, she's very religious and she would take me to church with her probably a couple of times a month. And then on the holidays, um, I would always go to church with her because I was the only one that was kind of interested in it. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't grow up with God. Like my parents, we, we didn't do that. Um, so I had a little bit of background and then my grandmother moved to Florida. And then when I was probably in high school, I was seeking something more. And so I started going to church again and I loved it. I was so involved. I was reading my Bible. I was so engrossed in the community and the word and everything. Right. I was so engrossed in it. And then life happened. Right. And I saw, I often say this to CJ really, but I saw like folks in the church and this is not to offend you or anyone else. Right. This is just mm -hmm. my experience, but I saw folks in the church were wearing masks. Right. So, you know how you said earlier in the conversation where you were trying to portray yourself to be perfect, but behind yeah. the scenes you were not. I was, I was yeah, I was seeing <laughs> that in real time. And it's like, these people are behaving one way and portraying themselves to be one way. So I just saw the mask, right? So it was like you would behave one way um, in the church and amongst all these people. And then in a different way, it, like in a different time, you would behave, a diff behave differently. And I saw that and I was like, you can't be of God, right? And be so drastically different all the time. Actually, that friend who converted from Judaism to Islam, 
her house burnt down and I asked the church to help her and no one helped. I asked for flyers. I asked for um, just a whole bunch. I said, uh, we can, can we have a food drive, a clothing drive? Mm-hmm. Can you don't, you know, do donations, something to help this girl out. And no one even responded to me. And I think that's what kind of triggered it because again, how can you portray yourself to be one way in the church but when push comes to shove and your community needs you, people need you, how could you turn your back? So when I saw that, I, I was frankly disgusted. And I, I said, you know, I don't want any part of this. And me removing myself, I got to see, now this is my perspective. And I got to see, I kind of looked like eagle's eye down, right? And I started to see a lot of flaws and it just made me realize how human folks are. In my opinion, right? I don't see how one can have this faith, one can have God living through them and still behave the way they do. And for me, I was, it made more sense for me to just remove God from it. Because if this is in any shape or form, right, what God is, I don't want it. I just, you make it sound so beautiful and I don't know your your um, whole story, right? But it's just not that easy, you know? And I'm not saying that you're saying it's easy. I'm not saying that at all either, but it's just, and I also, I'm feeling a little bit of hurt right now, not from you, of course, but from the pattern, the, the, uh, the pattern of behavior that I've experienced from other Christians. And a lot of the time it was ugly. And, and my thing is like, let's just remove the whole, let's just remove God because that's what, it, that's what seems to be the common issue. If you, if you can live your life, not, no, I'm going to put it on me because I don't want to take that from you. If I can live my life true to who I am and be a good person, if I can remove God from that, why can't I achieve the same goals as just as everyone else? You know what I mean? It's almost like if you don't have God, I don't want to say you're worthless, but like you're missing out. But we don't know if God is even real. Why can't we just be good? So you started seeing these masks and maybe some hypocrisy within the Christian community. Um, But when you, because you also said that you were feeling really good about yourself during these times. So was it interacting with these other Christians that were kind of, I'm sure that kind of helped feed it in the beginning, but... Did you feel like you were building a personal relationship with God? And if so, when you started seeing the hypocrisy amongst people, realizing that people are flawed and, um, you know, just fallible beings, did you have a moment where you thought, okay, well, maybe I just don't go to church, but I can still keep my relationship with God because, you know, separating God from humans? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I... Good question. Um, So I think for me, it was kind of like all or nothing, (laughs) honestly. Like it was kind of, um, I can't remember. So this whole me, the whole like uh, me going to church and getting good with God and then um, immersing myself in the community that happened twice in my life. Um, when I was younger and then more recently, about two years ago, again, I was seeking um, guidance. So then I got back into the church and I was, you know, working on the community, all these things. Um, And from what I'm remembering, the second go round, 
again, it was all or not all or nothing. I was a little older, maybe a little bit more, a little wiser. And um, I think part of it, part of the reason why I couldn't separate the two, let me put this down, um, is because of probably the first time around, it left a bad taste in my mouth, even after I um, gave it my all. And I think a part of it again was, if this God is real, why y'all acting like that? Like how, how, like how? And then for me personally, trying to build a relationship with God, I think it was tarnished after humans, which maybe isn't fair, right? But that's how it looked for me. Um, yeah, it was, it was, I do, however, think that, no, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I'm not about to do that. I think it was tarnished. Everything was tarnished because of human, because of humans, if I'm remembering correctly. Would you ever consider trying to revisit that relationship or that path of trying no. to find God? No, because now I don't No, For me now, I... I'm fine. You know, I'm not seeking um, any guidance. I rely on myself now. Um, and that's, how, that, again, that's, I, I feel like I always have to like preface what I'm going to say because I don't want to offend. But like, I I don't need, I didn't have it growing up. I tried it twice. It didn't work. It's not something that I'm willing to revisit because it's not necessary in my life. Um, you said, and you not only did you just say it, but you said it before when I was going through, when I was going to church and I was really involved um, two years ago, how I was a lot happier, how I seemed happier rather. But I think as I'm growing as a human, I that happiness was through the community that I thought I needed, right? I think that once I rebuild that in a different way, it'll appear again and I'll be just as happy. I don't think I need to involve God or that community per se to achieve that again. I just have to find it in a different way that's healthy and conducive to my life. I have a question um, for, do you mind if I call you Rocky? Cause I feel like we're family now. It's fine. <laughs> okay. I um, love it. <laughs> do, you, do you ever feel like when you're in when you're at church or like when you're amongst your church friends or whatever, your religious friends, um, do you ever feel like folks are putting up a facade? Like, do you ever feel like fakeness? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like there, you can never, you know, generalize everyone. Sure. So there are some people that you can tell they're not all, you know, they're not in their authentic self. Um, and then I do have a, a strong community of people that I am in community with, and we're very vulnerable with each other. Um, you know, I have somebody that we talk about all the things we're going through and we pray for each other and we're just very open and honest and raw. Um, so I think it's that you're going to find that in any community people, whether they're Christian or not, there's going to be people that are authentic and, and, or, and there's going to be people that are just, Fake. I always tell people this, and I've said this a lot on Facebook recently as well. Mm -hmm. um, 
I've never been hurt more by anybody other than a Christian. Yup. Christians oh haven't gosh, hurt me yes. more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And that's just the reality and that's the truth. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because much like everything in life, when a person feels like they are better than somebody, when they have something that puts them above somebody, they start to, they start to behave in, a, in a, a, an elitist way. And they, become, they start to feel like they're untouchable and they can't do no wrong and that everything they do is right and that everything you do is wrong. And that is the danger mm -hmm. with Christianity. That is the danger with a lot of believers right now is because they think, oh, I'm Christian. So I'm automatically accepted into the gates of heaven. I'm automatically a good person, no matter what I do or what I say, I'm automatically forgiven of any sin that I've done. So that means that I am not a sinner anymore. And those are all lies. God says in the Bible, you will say that I've done these things in your name and I will turn from you and say, I know you not. He is telling the believers right then and there that even though you say you believe in me, I will not accept you into the gates of heaven if you do not act as you believe in me. Mm -hmm. And that includes me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, have no, I have no reason to think that I'm going to heaven because I don't know that to be true. All I know is that I love God and all I can hope is that I'm doing the right things that he asked me to do that'll allow me to enter the gates of heaven. But, but as I stand on my own, I could be going to hell because even though I believe in God, I could be doing everything completely wrong. And you have to have your own relationship with God. That's what I, that's, that's what I learned. Mm -hmm. Because when I, was in the, when I was in the private Christian university, guess what? Mm -hmm. A lot of them were racist. Of course, I can imagine. It was imagine. a predominantly white Christian university in Mississippi. Even with all of that going on around me, I still had to develop my own personal walk with God. I still had to develop my own personal relationship with God. And that's what I, that's what I would urge you to do. You know, do not, do not denounce God based on someone else's walk and someone else's relationship with him. If you want to not believe in God anymore, make it your decision based on your relationship with God, not someone else's relationship with God, because you're not doing yourself any favors by taking someone else's relationship and then building your life around it. That's like you saying like, oh, I'm going to build my relationship, my life around my best friend's relationship with her boyfriend. How does that benefit you? Uh -huh. I, get you. I get you. I get you. I get you. It doesn't benefit you at all. So I think this is where I kind of go back into, and I'm sure Diamond probably tired of me bringing this up all the damn time about if we choose what we believe. But honestly, it's, it's something that I think is really important for us to consider because um, you've had, so you've had your personal experiences outside of the Bible and your, uh, your community, the way you were raised or your family. Um, and I was raised in a Christian family as well. And my personal experience, I've prayed, I've used to talk to God every day. I've started studying the Bible and the relationship is, is not building. It's not, it, it wasn't developing because I just, I didn't get this feeling that there was something there to build a relationship with. And so I can't just start choosing to believe in God when my experiences tells me that there's nothing to believe in. And, or at least to, to put it more specifically, the Christian God, the Judeo-Christian God, because I don't know that there isn't some deity out there that created all of this, right? But I can't know for certain. I, I can't even say, like, I, I know 100% that the Christian God is, 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 isn't real, but... 
I'm more confident in that than saying that there isn't a God period. But, um, so, so yeah, so I've come to, I've, my experiences and the knowledge and the things that I've uh, learned or anything that I've acquired over the years, especially this re this recent year, as I've actually been digging into the history of religion and uh, a little bit into other religions and reading the Bible, has led me to this non-belief, right? Or to this, uh, yeah, to this non-belief, rather than me deciding, oh, you know what, I'm just going to choose not to believe in God. if Because I could, I feel like, if that if we could choose, then I could choose to believe in God in spite of my experience. Just like you could choose to not believe in God in spite of your experience. Do you think, do you think that if you everything in your life happened the same way, all of those experiences with that school, the Christian school, and how everything just lined up for you, all of that still staying true? Do you think that you can choose not to believe in God? And I'm gonna say I don't because there's been many times in my life where I tried not to believe in God. I literally wanted to denounce his existence and it could not, it would not go away. So this, and this is why I said in the very beginning, I said to, to a certain degree you can choose, but there is always going to be a little bit of an influence around your upbringing and around your experiences that's gonna infiltrate with your final belief decision-making process. I guess, and this is my, uh issue of thinking of it in a black and white way because i'm thinking you can either choose what you believe or you can't and what i think that you can choose if we have any free will is choose which direction we want to um entertain or i guess which way we want to look into so if i wanted to see about the Christian God, I can start, I can choose to start reading the Bible, going to church. But in the end, I can ultimately choose whether I believe in the God or not. If me reading the Bible and going to church influences me in such a way to believe in God, then it happens or it doesn't. But what I choose is to take the steps to see if this belief can hold true. I just, I don't know. I wouldn't say that I chose not to believe in God. I just don't believe in God because if I chose not to believe in God, then I f should feel like I can easily, ch that I can equally choose to believe in God. But with all of my experience, it's not going to, I'm never going to get, with all, with all of my experiences staying the way it does, unless new information comes to me, I'm not going to get to this point where I believe in God. So, um... Like, you know, my mom, she told me this thing a, a long, long time ago. And I used to say it, I used to repeat it back to myself because I thought it was a cool idea. Uh, um, it's actually, it was actually said, it was actually brought up as a, uh, if, if you if you study philosophy a little bit, you can read about it. It's called Pascal's Wager, but I didn't know that it had a, a, philo a philosophical name or argument to it. I just heard it from my mom and she said, I'd rather believe and find out that God's not real than believe and find out that he is. And and then yeah. so with the Pascal's wager, and this is sort of a watered down version, um, but it basically is like, if you believe you lose nothing by being wrong, but if you don't believe you lose everything by being wrong. So wouldn't you rather just believe just in case 
And the thing, the problem that I have with that is if I believe just in case, it's not going to be a genuine belief. I will be lying to myself and to my family saying, I believe, I believe when I don't, because all of my experience has not led me to the belief in God. And so I would, uh, and, and if I don't truly believe in God and he is real, he's going to know it. And if my, if the only way to salvation is through a genuine belief in Jesus and God, then what does that mean for me? What does that look like? You know, so I don't, so I'm just going to be, I'm going to be pretending. So I'm going to be pretense. How confident are you in your belief? Without a doubt, I believe God is real. Without a doubt, I believe he exists. Um, on a level of my walk with him, how confident am I in that? I'm like a five. Because I still run the issue of, am I good enough? Or am I doing it the right way? Or am I this good Christian? You know, like, will I go to heaven or hell? I don't know. Um, right now, I don't struggle with doubt. Um, I do struggle with insecurities as far as just like, things that God has healed me from as far as low self-esteem and um, just being like things like that. I feel like God has definitely healed me. I'm not the same person I was when I was a teenager. Um, he like transformed me. And so I do feel like we say the enemy, like the enemy lies to us. You know, he, he tries to remind us of our past and tries to remind us of things. And so, those little insecurities will come back because sometimes I'll listen to that. And that's when I have to go back to God's word and, and remind myself, no, God, these are the things that you said about me in your word. And I believe them and they're true. And, and then I have to also say those again to me, um, to myself. So at this point it's not doubting God. It's just, you have doubts about yourself and then you turn to God to relinquish those, to help relinquish those doubts about yourself. Yeah. Like I, 100% believe in God, believe Jesus is Lord. I believe the Holy Spirit lives within me. And so it's just walking that out. And I have a tattoo on my ankle. I got it around 2013. It says, remember. And so that was just the word when I was doing my, my mission trip around the world. And I was just like learning so much and experiencing so much and, you know, God speaking to me and healing me and all these things. And so that was just like my reminder, just like, remember everything that like I've done for you. Remember who you are in me. Rocky, I want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate you being candid with us and patient and um, standing in your truth. I appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you guys. And I appreciate what you're doing and being open also to hearing what I have to say as well. And, and I love that this is a place where we can just share openly what we believe and agree to disagree and still be respectful of each other and still love each other yeah and so i do love you guys and um this has encouraged me to want to search more and dig deeper and look into things that you know we didn't have answers to today and to <laughs> continue looking for answers as well you gave me a lot to think about michael i don't however think i'm going to go back to religion but you again or go back to god i should say um but you did give me a lot to think about and I greatly appreciate that. Thank you guys for having me on. And again, just so you know, I'm not a theologian. 
I'm not like a master <laughs> degree holder in like God or anything. It's just my, you know, humble perspective. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, like you know, that's the point of this show for us to just, because the thing is that mo- the majority of the people aren't. And um, we shouldn't let that deter us from having these sort of conversations because that's how we will start to come to reach conclusions is by talking it out. Thank you for listening to this episode of Borderline Uncomfortable. If you'd like to join the conversation, befriend us on social media with the links in the description. If you'd prefer to see our faces during these discussions, check out our episodes on the Borderline Uncomfortable YouTube channel. But let's be honest, you really just want to see Diamond's beautiful face. Okay, friends, till next time, stay safe, stay mindful, and do better.